from India's largest newsroom, I'm Arun George, and this is the Times of India podcast. Uh, everything is almost back to normal where we live. Everything is almost back to normal. Uh, life goes on. Supermarkets are open. Since the Iranians gave uh, the drones, uh, the bombings have increased, uh, and and because of that, they've targeted all the electric infrastructure. Uh, we have been suffering the last four months, uh, but but I, I think the determination of Ukrainians and, and us is is in in is so much to 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 win this war that we don't really care anymore. That's Nitesh Pal, a resident of Kiev, talking about life in Ukraine presently. We last spoke with Nitesh nearly a year ago after the Russian invasion began. A lot has changed since then, and a lot hasn't as well. A successful invasion of Ukraine by Russia now seems that much less likely. Military and humanitarian aid has poured into Ukraine, allowing the country to not just defend itself but also reclaim some conquered territory from Russia. On Monday, the 20th of February. US President Joe Biden made a surprise visit to Kyiv. Among other things, he promised that there would be no lack of support for Ukraine. We know that there'll be very difficult days and weeks and years ahead. But Russia's aim was to wipe Ukraine off the map. Putin's war of conquest is failing. A day later, Russian President Vladimir Putin responded with a national address in which he promised the campaign against Ukraine wasn't going to stop anytime soon. A year ago, in order to defend our historical lands, to ensure security of our country, to liquidate the threat that came from the neo-Nazi regime that uh, set up in Ukraine after 2014, we decided to conduct a special military operation. And step by step, we carefully, consistently will settle the task we are facing. For Ukrainian citizens like Nitesh, the anniversary of the start of the invasion on the 24th of February comes with the worry that there could be an intensification of the battle. In today's episode, we're speaking with Nitesh about various aspects of his life in Ukraine. We started by asking him why he was worried about the first anniversary of the invasion. Well, everybody's concerned. We know they're not the Russians are not winning this war. We know they're not going to win this war. It's not going to happen. It's never in this lifetime. But uh, they're getting desperate, and the more desperate they get, the more risk they're going to take, the more chances they're going to take. And he could just send on the 24th, uh, you know, bombard us. He normally starts at four in the morning. He likes to wake up people. Uh, he could go on. He, it's strange that he has like a, a time frame his generals work at. They work from four to six or four to five. You know, and after five in the evening, they don't do anything. I think they need to go home to their families. So it's, it's strange, really. But this is their algorithm that they follow. So he might do that. They might just go all out. 50% of the people don't believe anything will happen. I didn't believe on the 24th last year that anything would happen. He's a maniac and he's a lunatic. He just might go all out on, on the 24th. The he that Nitesh was referring to is Russian President Vladimir Putin. Almost through the conversation, that's how Nitesh refers to the Russian president. Since last year, Nitesh has moved out of the house he used to live in into an apartment. Nitesh spoke to us from his office, where he says he stays some days of the week. 
He says the office has now also been adequately equipped so that others who work with him can also use its facilities. For example, in our company, we are 29 people in the office and I made sure that the office was running 100%, meaning that we have water, we have toilets, we have showers. I put uh, two extra showers in. So everyone, if they can't take a shower or, or eat or cook or whatever, can always come to the office. And the office has become a, it's become a base the last year, literally, where you have every, we have everything over here. I even moved the gym from my house to, to the basement. And, and our basement is also well-equipped as a bomb shelter as well. So, because uh, every time the sirens go off, we must go down to the basement because I cannot risk their lives. Nitish says he can drive all the vehicles for deliveries and he's been doing that more often since the war began. He says he still makes all the deliveries to places that he deems risky. Safety is our number one priority for the, for the employees in the company because uh, since July, everyone has come back to work. Everyone is back online in the office. So uh, I, I'm responsible for their security, you know, especially when, when I have, when we deliver to Nikolaev, which is just on the other side of the wall, when, I, when we deliver closer to uh, Dnieper, uh, this is where, that's 35 kilometers from Russia, from the Russian border. I try to do those deliveries myself. So I, I don't risk my driver's lives. I do that because it's my business. Certain destinations in Ukraine that I take on uh, myself to, to deliver. Nitish says his own behavior towards things like the sounds of rockets and anti-missile guns has changed over the month. Well, we've stopped being scared. I lived in my house when the war started. And then when the war kept going, you know, as things developed, I now moved into an apartment because it's a lot more warmer because I, I can't keep the house warm with generators all the time. So I just shut down everything and, and moved into an apartment. And from my apartment window... I sometimes can see our anti-missile, anti-rocket uh, guns firing. You can see them. You can hear them. You get woken up at 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. But before we used to jump out of bed, look out the window, and, and then run run to the bomb shelter. Now, now I don't do that anymore. I just wake up, look out the window, try and catch one of the, you know, the, the guns firing, and then go back to sleep. Because, you know... <laughs> I don't know what else to do anymore. It's it's like it's become, you know, if, you know, you, you put your hands in faith at the end of the day, I think. That's where I'm going now. Just, you know, just going with the flow. When the invasion began, thousands of Ukrainians fled the country. Last year, Nitesh had left the country with multiple colleagues. He then returned to Ukraine, but some of his colleagues went to other countries. Nitesh says most of his employees who left are now back at work. For some... Nitesh says it's because their loved ones are part of the war. In the past, a lot of Ukrainians wish they would leave their country. I think this war has shown that people, uh, they all came back on their own. It was their own uh, will to come back. And simply because they found out that living here is much better than anywhere else in the world, even in the middle of a war, you won't believe it. I mean, uh, my, my financial director, I sent her to Canada to her two daughters. She came back in three months um, two of my managers, one of my bookkeepers, the accounting department, they went to Turkey. They stayed with my, my wife and, and the kids. Uh, they came back as well with their children. Uh, a lot of the younger girls, their husbands are here. They cannot leave the country. I'm also Ukrainian. Uh, 
by passport, so I cannot just leave the country. I have to serve in the army at some point in the time. If this keeps going on, I will be called in to do something eventually. I don't know what, but drive a truck, learn to drive a, you know, stew a tank or something. I don't know. I'll figure it out. My financial director, her husband is in the war. He's fighting for us. He said to her, stay, stay in Canada and don't come back, you know, till, till it's over. But she did. Nitish had moved his family out of Ukraine when the invasion began. We asked him whether they'd returned. I haven't brought them back. Well, I have five children. My mm. two older kids live in Denmark. They're mm. in university and, st- and working. The other, younger three with their mother in Turkey. Luckily, again, they were not harmed by the, the earthquake. But still, again, fear, you know, for no reason. You, you, you send your family to a safe place and you find out it's not so safe anymore. Nitish says he just feels lighter on his feet, knowing that his family is safe and far away from the war. I feel more um, maneuverable. I live in a suitcase. I've been living in a suitcase for, for now 11 months. Uh, I have my, my stuff, which I just keep alternating, you know, send stuff to, to get washed. Uh, we have put a washing machine in the office as well. I, I wash my stuff, put it back into my suitcase. I've got a you know, backpack with all my documents. Uh, some money in it, and that's it. And I keep my suitcase in the car, and and my backpack is always with me. So you never know when. I don't think it's safe to bring them back. Uh, and if something happens again, we're all you know praying it won't happen, but something could happen on the twenty fourth again. Um, I need to be able to be to get all my people out again. And having the stress of my my you know I have a my youngest he's seven. Uh, I can't let him go through that again. My my daughter, when when the war started, she was she's nine now. She was eight. You know, every time she heard uh, you know a bomb, her hands would start. Uh, she would tremble. You know, but it's not it's not nice to see. So I feel safer that they're not here now. For most of our conversation, many of Nitesh's answers start even before the question has even been completed. The one time he does pause and visibly struggles for words, is when I ask him about how the year has been for him and whether he's been able to meet his family. I saw my kids in July for four days. I went to Turkey. I'm allowed to leave the country because I have three children under the age of 18. So I have a special red, uh, I can show you, it's like a red book that allows me, and I'm free to move in and out of the country anytime. Uh, I did go to see my children. I can see them as many times as I want to, but I don't want to because I think... um, It makes it harder. I went also in in uh, August to uh, Warsaw. My sister works with UNICEF and Priyanka Chopra, uh, my youngest sister. So everybody, I, I spent two days with my youngest sister as well, who I didn't see for like five or six years. So that was very nice. That was very nice. But I, I try not to go out. Um, I don't want to go out because I'm scared to leave uh, if something happens, I'm here in the office all the time. Uh, I try and spend at least three nights or a week in, in the office. I, I sleep here just to keep things, uh, 
just to keep in check with everything, especially when we had power cuts. Lately, the last three or four days, we seem to have fewer power cuts, but I think the Russians now will realize that we fixed everything, so they're going to come back again at us. This you know, silence now is basically just probably a build-up to what we're going to get soon. So we we hope you know things don't go that way, but we're ready. I mean, as far as we can be ready. I mean, you're sitting you're a sitting duck when the when the drones come in. You just you don't know where they're going to land. Simple. When the Russian invasion of Ukraine began, we'd interviewed the economist correspondent in Kiev, Tim Judah, who said that Russia had lost the support of Ukrainian people who earlier supported them. Nitesh admits that over a decade ago, he thought that Vladimir Putin was the best leader in Asia. That's obviously changed. He says the war has changed how Ukrainians perceive Russians and now nobody seems to want peace with Russia. Ukraine and Russia had a lot in common say, 10 years ago. Since they started uh, 2014, uh, the invasion in Crimea, and, uh, Ukrainians have woken up to another reality where Russians uh, don't look at us as equals. They look at us as inferior, inferior people or people with a problem uh, that they're trying to help us. Well, in the start of the war, we were very angry with Russians. Everyone in Ukraine has a lot of friends. Everyone in Ukraine has family. The Russians have family in Ukraine. There's a lot of divisions created between families and who's wrong and who's right. I think there will be a reconciliation of maybe 20, 30 years before we figure out uh, that we can be friends again. Um, I think we have started to realize that the Russians' citizens themselves are not... 100% to blame. We, we do blame them because they don't do anything. I've been talking to a lot of people and, and a lot of intelligent people have left Russia. They run away because if you open your mouth, you put you get put in jail. If you open your mouth, your parents will be put in jail for 10 years. So we can't point fingers and say to the Russians, why aren't you standing up against Putin? Because there's, if they stand up against Putin, they get killed as well. They get their parents killed. They'll get put into jail and their families will be, will be you know, tortured. We have to stop the war. But we can't stop anymore because he's killed so many people in Ukraine that for us to stop the war means that we stop the war at our, at our existing borders that we had before uh, 2012. That's where we need to go back to before this war stops. Now, in February, if he said let's call a let's call a p let's call a truce, we would have stopped where they were and said okay, let's talk again. But now, since he started killing people, impossible to give up. And no one in Ukraine right now, nobody. I mean, you talk to anybody, nobody wants peace with Russia. We want our land back, our old borders, our existing borders, and then we can talk. Thousands have fled Ukraine since the war began. In them, Nitesh sees a reflection of his own past, having been forced to move out of Kuwait during the Gulf War in 1990. Nitesh says, the war has resulted in Ukrainians having much more empathy for other victims of war. There are a lot of children in Ukraine still. We've lost almost maybe 2 million uh, that have crossed over the border and probably will never come back again. Uh, we've lost about, in total, I think, about five or six million people in Ukraine to the who went to the West, to Europe, to US, to Canada. Uh, those people we probably never see again, probably. I mean, the children that are left behind 
we all take care of them. I mean, I think that mentally they're all very sane. Uh, this thing about bombings and stuff and bomb shelters, they, they become children of war. That's what they, they've all become. Even my own children. I never thought in a million years that, you know, I would be, I, my, my own children would become victims of a war. I mean, I was the victim of the Saddam Hussein war because I was I lived in Kuwait at that time. Luckily, I was in India when he attacked, but still, I was a victim of the war, basically. But I, I never thought it would go that far, ever. That in, in the civilized world, in the era we're living in now, to see something like that happen in Europe, it's, it's unheard of. And, and it's also, we've learned to respect that now because when you think of like how we looked at Yemen and Syria and Palestine and all of that, now we in Ukraine are looking at those people and saying, we understand your problem. I don't want to get into political discussions with what, who's wrong and who's right, but it's the people that are suffering in Yemen, in Palestine, in, you know, it's sad, very sad. When we spoke to him last year, Nitesh had said that there was no question of him moving out of Ukraine. We asked him why he hadn't considered moving out of the country so far, especially given there's no visible end to the war inside. It's like, um, I mean, if I if I get everyone out of my company out, then I probably will say, okay, now I have no one else to stay here for. But that's not going to happen. Uh, all my colleagues' wives uh, have their husbands here and they're not allowed to leave. So I, I will not leave them. It's like... Uh, I don't want to say it's a man thing or whatever. I think it's a human thing to do that sometimes you have to make those exceptions in life where you just say, okay, this is it. And I'm ready. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to die. I'm not stupid. I have, you know, five children to live for. I have my, my sisters. I have no, no kamikaze intentions in life, but I'll stay here and be safe and, and, and stay here. Because this country needs my help. And, and it's getting closer to us, the death. Because before, we always thought, you know, we always heard people, you know, soldiers were dying and this and that. Now, my friends' brothers are dying. My, my friends' fathers are dying. Uh, it's getting closer. It's getting personal. That's the problem. That's, that's the biggest problem. I cannot tell you how many people are dying in Ukraine every day. I think that's wrong. And they're really, really sad. And uh, because we don't, we are under, we are underpowered. The, the the West is giving us one gun a day. We need hundred guns a day. We don't need one bullet every day. We need, you know, cases full of bullets. And this is why every time we shoot one rocket over to the Russian side, they send back a hundred. They send back literally a hundred. And our soldiers, one of them is in the, you know, works in the morgue. And, and the stories he tells us and the kind of body counts we get every day, it's crazy. The death toll from the war that began last year is still very unclear. By some estimates, both nations have seen death tolls upward of 1 lakh. Neither nation has confirmed the number of dead. But like Nitesh says, life in Kyiv feels pretty normal sometimes. We asked him how he defined these normal days. Well, sitting at my table every day uh, at 9 in the morning is, is my normalcy. Even when I live in the office, I, I make sure I take a shower and I'm at my table at nine in the morning, uh, dressed to work, not in my shorts or in jeans or whatever. I'm dressed to work every day and it keeps you sort of in, in check. Uh, people come into work also. We have coffee together. We have lunch together nowadays. Every day we have lunch together. Uh, stuff like that. 
And and we try not to discuss the war. We try not to discuss what, what we read because we all read the same thing. We all hear the same news. So there's nothing we need to discuss that we don't know. We, we're immersed in our business. Business has been going very well, uh, not because it's something that needs to be good, but it just keeps everything afloat. We don't make money that we're making profits. We make money to pay bills. We we pay. I pay everyone their full salaries. I've not reduced anybody's salaries in the company. I give everyone a bonus every month. If we do even like 2% better than we did the last month, I'll give everyone a bonus. It's money. Money Right now, money is like, uh, it's a commodity. No one gives uh, anything about money anymore. So there is a kind of normalcy on an everyday basis in Kiev, in Lvov, in the west of Ukraine. There is more of a normalcy but with the with the air raids when that comes in you know the country stops but when it ends it goes back to normal again even movies people are going to the movies now and in the middle of a movie the air raid sirens can come on and you have to leave the, the theater and leave the building so everyone leaves goes out waits like an hour or two and then when the sirens are off you never know when the russians stop bombing so it's, it's not like when is when is the siren going to go off it's like when the russians decide then it goes off. And if it's more than two hours, the film gets cancelled and they say, come another day, free entry. So stuff like that goes on. You know, people don't care anymore. They're standing outside eating their popcorn, <laughs> what's left behind from the film. <laughs> I see this all the time, especially if you go uh, drive through town in the day, like about two, three in the afternoon. If you go by any of the malls, all our malls have theaters. And if there's an air raid siren on, all everyone in the mall is outside in the parking lot. <laughs> Nitesh says he hopes the war will end by March, or maybe April. He says he believes it's gotten to a stage where the war has become pointless for Russia. He says economic sanctions have hit Russians, and he knows Russian businessmen who've left the country. But he says the war has also changed Ukrainians and how they treat each other. This war has united Ukraine. Like I, I never thought we could be united because we are very. Ukraine as as a whole was very divided. There's there's the Russian speaking community and the Ukrainian speaking community. And now this war has shown that the people who also speak Russian in this country love this country just as much as the ones who speak Ukrainian. There is a loyalty when it comes to the country, not the language. So, I think that. That was the biggest divider between Ukrainians. And, and also, it's like Ukrainians were very, for them, it's their house and that's it. You know, so whatever was around the house, they don't really care. So it's like, but that's changing now. People, uh, they've started to care about each other. They've started to help each other. If, if when I'm driving, if I see somebody, you know, stuck on the road or something, you stop now. Everybody stops now. Before... You know, one out of 10 would stop. Now I would say eight out of 10 people will stop in Ukraine to help each other. And, and that's, that's, that's amazing. Um, this, this war has given people a lot of uh, time to change the way they, they live, the way they think. They were very materialistic in Ukraine. And just like in Russia, everything is about, you know, fancy cars and fancy clothes and fancy everything. People have taken a look at that again and decided that maybe something we don't need to go that way in life anymore and and we we've, we've learned to we've learned to value life i think a lot more today's episode was produced by jairaj singh sunai marathe and anuja singh for a daily spotlight on people ideas and stories that matter subscribe to us we're available on ty plus spotify apple 
Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at tuipodcast at timesinternet.in.